Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Scary movie love for scary movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm very excited for this Scary Movie Month episode because I am once again joined by my best friend Doug. And we're going to be talking idle hands. Welcome, Doug. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, and I appreciate uh, being on the show. Happy Scary Movie Month. Happy Scary Movie Month. How is your Scary Movie Month going? Oh, it's so good with the pumpkins and the tricking and the treating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's pretty much... It's just been pumpkins and trick-or-treating pretty much the entire month. <laughs> now, you guys uh, in California... Trunk-or-treating. You, you trick-or-treat all month long? You don't wait for Pretty Halloween? much. Okay. Well, they have this thing. I was at my daughter's school yesterday, and it's trunk-or-treat. Now, this uh, is like a name big drop. thing we have, to, <laughs> we have to do every year, apparently, because it's building memories and endearing her father to her, you know, her, her soul. Um, and that's good, I suppose. But yeah, I, um, I, I've had a good scary movie month. Not as good as yours, probably. Um, you know, that's debatable. um yeah so uh those of you who are listening you may have noticed uh some some stuff going on last week we didn't really have a new podcast we had an episode of uh how do you not know from mike and lexi but we didn't have an episode of after this movie luckily we've been doing two a week prior to this so uh, you have enough to catch up on but um you know i i had an unexpected uh medical situation and wound up in the hospital, and uh, so I just uh, sorry that there was no new podcast. But I want to thank everyone at F This Movie, and especially Doug for stepping up and just making what? sure that the site was still running. I had no access to anyone. I had no way of talking to anyone. I couldn't get anything posted. I couldn't even ask Doug to do it, but he just uh, took it upon himself to do it. So thank you, Doug, for making sure that what? things ran smoothly in my absence. It's, of course, it's my pleasure. You're burying the lead. You're you're okay. I think that's important to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 here and you're you're recording a podcast. And um, it's crazy that you didn't mention that you went to a hospital in the past. Yeah. Um, it was like a Shutter Island type hospital where there's no um, technology, no Wi-Fi signal, which is Correct. why you couldn't um, couldn't access the website. But I I tried my best and, and props and kudos to Adam and Mike and JB for. Um, helping me kind of through it, you know, because there's a there's a lot. This month is way different than most months in that the level of content is just amped up and ramped up. And um, so, thank you for for helping out. Yes, those, thank you, those thank guys. you, thank you, everybody, and uh, thank you, loyal listeners and readers, for staying with us. Um, let's uh, read a couple of seven word reviews, and then we'll talk about what we've seen lately, and then we'll start talking about Idle Hands because it's what the people have been waiting for. <laughs> is this the Halloween podcast? The, the like Idle Hands the podcast. Uh, no, there will be at least one more episode. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We spoil. We try to spoil you in October, except for when uh, I disappear. Anyway, um, when so we ourselves are spoiled. <laughs> I have one uh, from Tom S. Tex uh, talking about the Mummy from 1932. He was buried alive for you. Hashtag ungrateful. <laughs> That's good. Um, I have one from Blaine Higby. Uh, Demon Seed. Alexa, how do lobotomies in pregnancy work? Hey. Uh, here's one from our very own Rob DiCristino of Toby Hooper's The Mangler, the movie about the haunted killer laundry press. You can make a movie about anything. That's not fair. <laughs> he works for the site. <laughs> it's true, but I thought it was funny. That is a funny one. I actually saw that one. I almost picked it, but I didn't because I was like, Rob, who? <laughs> um, 
I have one from Matt Linton, mm -hmm. April Fool's Day, 1986. Mm -hmm. Chaz horribly misunderstands Dick in a Box. Nice. Um, John Curvan of 1408. 604 less than 2012, yet somehow more. Hold on, let me do my, my gazintas. What, <laughs> say that one again. Remember when I thought you would like 1408? <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, for sure. No, there's there's a lot to like about that movie. Yeah. And then a personal, you know, because, and you know, Patrick's the best friend ever, and he always recommends movies for me, um, even stuff that he doesn't necessarily like that he thinks might, you know, tap into a, a few of my whatever, um, that I might like it. And he definitely recommended 1408 to me, and I went in so high on it and was ultimately disappointed, but um, our friendship is still intact, yes. as evidenced by this 2018 podcast. And uh, no, there's a lot to like, but then at the end, I think it just kind of shits the bed. But if I remember correctly, I don't think I've seen it since the early yeah, 2000s. I, I saw it when it came out, and then I haven't seen it since. Um, I have one from Shannon Briggs, Dracula 1979. Frank Langella's hair. Wait, is it Langella or Langella? It's Lang Langella. Right? Langella, yeah. Langella, okay. Then let me start over. All right. This is, uh, wouldn't be a Scary Movie Month podcast without Doug fucking up the seven-word reviews. Frank Langella's chest hair equals ultimate panty dropper. Nice. Which technically, the equal sign is the, it's the symbol for equal sign, mm -hmm. so that's, you know, otherwise it's like an eight-word review. So, yeah. Shannon, yeah. come on. Come on, pal. He's gaming the system. Uh, Matthew Shannon Nicely. Yeah. Matthew Nicely of Salem's Lot. Bonnie Bedelia's Vampire Eyes, worth the wait. <laughs> um, that's all I have, actually, so okay. keep going. I, I have a few more. more. Um, Catherine of Frankenstein's Daughter, Acid or Flame, ooh, what a burn. Cullen, <laughs> from, <laughs> Cullen of Unfriended Dark Web, just restart your computer. That usually works. Uh, our very own Robin Buckley of Halloween 1978. Should babysitters be on phone this much? Um, Mr. Smarty Man for Don't Breathe. That guy wins Marco Polo every time. Um, and one more, Brian Sager of the Monster Squad. Tonight, Dracula dies. But first, business cards. <laughs> um, so thank you, guys. We will read some more seven-word reviews on our last Scary Movie Month podcast. I know you guys are feeling gypped because we haven't, we didn't read that many today after being gone for a while. But, you know, we'll try to make it up to you. We're trying to – you should also share that tonight is scary movie night, like it's a big party at your house. We got to get through this podcast. We have no time for dilly-dallying, no time for ballyhoo. <laughs> no, no more ballyhoo. That's right. Um, Douglas. Yes. Have you seen anything scary lately? Ooh, I like that you mixed it up. Thank you. I know you always do with the scary movie. I'm just trying to like, you know, be in the spirit of scary movie month. No, um, I yes, it. I have. I uh, I saw The Boy based on your stream this uh, <laughs> movie rec. I liked it a lot actually. Oh, that's right. I think it's the it was the first weekend of October you recommended The Boy starring Lauren Cohen. Yeah, I didn't and, want anyone to wait. And I was the like, boy. you got to see this immediately, <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, you know, it appealed to me. I believe the the poster features a creepy doll, and I'm like, I'm in. You will call and, him uh, Brahms. Brahms, not Brahm, not our very own no, no. Brahm on the website that no. records uh, um, interesting metal music. Is it metal? Yeah, it's that not Brahm? metal at all. Is it uh, EDM? Is Brahm an it's EDM like electronic? Composer? I don't know. If, I don't know what EDM is really. I don't think it's electronic EDM. dance music. Well, I know what it stands for, but I don't. Oh. Mm, 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 yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Brahms and Lauren Cohen and the Boy, and I enjoyed it. It's um, uh, it, it. I think you you 
kind of summarized it like it's it kind of you think it's in that camp of like really crappy really sort of like let's make this quickly and it's in that you know uh just not worthy of a, a watch and it's it's pretty effective the atmosphere is really great um it's ultimately kind of silly at the end i think but um it's it was definitely enjoyable and i really enjoyed watching it so thank you for the recommendation i saw flatliners for like the first time ever and the reason i bring that up and i know it's not like a true like it's a horror movie right yeah you'd consider that a yeah it's more of a thriller mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> um this just just I, I saw it. It's on Netflix, right? And um, my memory of this movie—I don't have much of a memory of this movie because I'd never seen it before. But I remember <laughs> things about this movie, specifically when Patrick and I were in high school, and we were friends. And uh, I mean, we're still friends. We were friends then too. <laughs> in his bedroom, in his parents' ranch house on Brantwood. Uh, there was, he had a bunk bed for, I don't know if you want to explain that. That seems odd that you didn't have a, a roommate. You just had a bunk bed. Well, I had a roommate for many years cause I shared a room with my brother. What? Oh, did you? I had yes. no idea. I had honestly had no idea. It was a three bedroom house. My parents <laughs> had one. My sisters had one. Me and my brother had the other. Oh man. Yeah. We didn't all grow up in the lap of luxury, Doug. <laughs> Hold on. I can't talk cause I've got this <laughs> silver spoon in my mouth. <laughs> I uh, I didn't even you know I it's funny like fourteen year old Doug never pieced together that your brother who's older and did yeah. not live there when you and I would hang out there yeah, he had moved like he had he had gone into the Air Force right and I never just I never put together that like it's someone when it was else revealed that he was actually part lizard <laughs> that's right because he has that that uh, zipper that uh, <laughs> is perpetually open which if you're trying to hide the fact that you're a lizard you might want to zip that thing up. Um, I just assumed it was where you you brought all the ladies and like ladies do you want to sleep above me or below me. <laughs> And of course, on the uh, above the top bunk on the on the wall was a yeah. giant Flatliners poster. Yeah, <laughs> which I know you've got um, in your in your screening room basement right now. You've got a lot of great framed posters. Um, some of your favorite movies, like Phantom of the Paradise, for yes, example. Yes, and Psycho, and Varsity Blues. <laughs> and uh, I don't see a Flatliners poster there now, which makes me think: A, um, it probably is not one of your favorite movies. And B, it was hanging up in your room either ironically or because you just got a free Flatliners poster. I had a free Flatliners poster. That's definitely part of it. I think I liked the movie a lot more, like probably in eighth grade when I hung that up. Also, it was either the first or second divorce movie. Um, Like right after my parents split, the first time we ever hung out was to go to the movies. And I get it confused if it was that or Tremors first. Um, Mm. So it, I had a weird attachment to it. No Tremors poster, though. No. I don't hmm. really like the Tremors poster. You don't? With the monster underneath the ground? With no, the... no. I like that one. Love Tremors, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Tremors is great. What What's you your thoughts go, on... Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, no, what, what do you think about Idlehand? How about um, <laughs> Flatliners? You know? I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember thinking it was dumb, but I liked it. You know, uh, It's very like Joel Schumacher stylish yes. and ridiculous, yes. but... I liked the cast enough, and uh, I, I was into it, you know, when I saw it in, like, seventh grade. It's a pretty amazing cast, even Billy Baldwin. No, um, it's, uh, you know, Kiefer Sutherland and, and uh, uh, Julia Roberts and Oliver Platt, and uh, they're doing they, – they're, and Kevin Bacon, of course, and uh, they're, they're all giving it their all. It's a pretty ridiculous movie that has – it's intriguing, though, and obviously they re- – I never saw the remake, so I don't know if it's any good. I'm no, assuming it's either. not good. I, I would imagine so. Right. 
Um, it's so it's such a time capsule of the early '90s, right? That of course Joel Schumacher and his whole aesthetic and how he films stuff, and it's all just like gothic. They're in like a an old abandoned Chicago hospital, <laughs> uh, and they're they're Chicago. Doing these- by the way, as a Chicago native, we're lousy with abandoned hospitals. <laughs> I actually like the way, you know, it's it's funny. Um, I, I l- kind of like the way he filmed Chicago in that it wasn't the kissing a fool aesthetic where it's uh, <laughs> right. everything is, you know, with a Sears Tower in the background and Buckingham. No, Max and, and the Metro. <laughs> um, that a lot of Chicago <laughs> Do you remember movies. the night? I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you remember the night that we both ended up watching kissing a fool like on hbo i think you were in california already and we just yeah. like live texted the entire movie to each other yes. do i and it was so random that we both happened to be up watching the same thing at the same time and yeah. it just it brought back because again i would actually you know we have a lot of shared as we'll talk about i'm sure with idle hands we have a lot of shared movies as i'm sure a lot of our listeners do with their oldest friends and um kissing a fool is definitely one of those it's not great but i kind of love it for all the things that it isn't you know right, just right. because it's you know the age i was the age what i was doing at the time the you know all that stuff and when i look back on it i think back to those days finally it's nostalgic right yeah. um but again uh, going back to chicago movies a lot of chicago movies or any movie i'm sure there's a lot of new yorkers who would argue that like whenever there's a Nora Ephron movie for example they you know shoot in times square you know central park or whatever and it's just so like the three shots that you see every movie, Empire State Building. The same with Chicago. There's obviously some very touristic uh, vistas and scenes and stuff. And uh, I, you wouldn't even necessarily know that Flatliners was filmed in Chicago, um, you know, because there's nothing really that sticks out as Chicago. In fact, for the first time, 20 minutes or so, I'm like, I'm like, is this Boston or New-? I didn't even quite know. And um, then when I I was researching and stuff, I'm like, oh, it's Chicago. It's kind of cool. But I, I think Loyola was where they shot the hospital stuff. Not, maybe it was a. It actually island. takes place in any time, any town USA. <laughs> Population me. <laughs> and uh, it's not Oliver Platt. <laughs> I in my head now, like, because I I'm not very familiar with the. I know this isn't a Brat Pack movie, but I'm not very familiar with like Saint Elmo's Fire yeah. and the late '80s. What was it the uh, the outsiders and that kind of stuff? And this is to me is it's obviously not Brad Pack, but it's kind of the tail end of that whole movement, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. And for whatever reason, I never associated Oliver Platt with that age group. Even to me, he's always just been kind of the older, sarcastic, you know, the portly gentleman who's had enough. You know, who's just. <laughs> <laughs> does a guest spot on West Wing for a season and you know just the, the, the kind of the the funny guy that you hire and he just hits a home run and that's it and here he's like the nerdy friend and it's just it's it's kind of strange I don't know well and when I saw it in you know 1990 and didn't know Oliver Platt um it was I knew everybody else I knew William Baldwin and Kiefer Sutherland and Kevin Bacon so it was always just like and the rest right <laughs> like <laughs> So it's uh, it's definitely garbage Schumacher, um, but it's still fun. Yeah. There's still definitely elements of fun, and uh, it was very easy to watch. You know, I guess that's the uh, hot take from 2018. <laughs> Flatliners, easy to watch <laughs> when you're half falling asleep. I had a rough week at work, and I'm watching Flatliners, and I'm trying to stay awake, and it's it, it did its job. Good. Um, and the last thing I'll mention um, is I watched uh, A Quiet Place, which I'm sure you guys have talked about a lot. Not that um, much, weirdly enough. I've well, reviewed it, but we haven't like talked about it that much. And I've read that review. Um, 
Why don't you I, refresh everyone? I disagreed with it. <laughs> I thought you made a lot of stupid points. Um, yeah, I really liked the movie. Weirdly enough, I've not had the urge to revisit it, even though when I saw it, I was like, that was incredibly well made. I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I haven't felt like rewatching it yet. I, uh, I liked it. And I'm sure maybe my, my expectations were a little high. There's, a, there's a, a handful of horror movies that came out this year, and I still haven't seen Hereditary, and I really want to. Um, but there's a handful of horror movies that came out that I was really high on seeing, and this was one of them. And I hear all these great things about John Krasinski as a director, as an actor, kind of not playing against type, because his type is just sort of every man, I suppose. But definitely playing, you know, it's a more serious, somber role. Uh, kind of like his turn in as Jack Ryan. I don't know if you saw. We talked. You know what? Somebody <laughs> talked me out of watching that show. Was it me? It was you. <laughs> anyway, um, a quiet place. The, the the there's not much to it, and I know that's the point. It's um it's just kind of a one trick pony movie where they have to be quiet because there's monsters that you know without spoiling anything that respond to sound and I guess are blind. Um, to me, it reminded me a lot of that Black Mirror episode. Um, oh yeah, with the like robot dog or whatever. Right, yeah. and um, I don't know which came first. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of times where things come out at the same time as other things. Um, a Paul Blart uh, observe <laughs> and report scenario, <laughs> or a the most know, famous <laughs> example of that phenomenon. <laughs> yes, I could have said Deep Impact Armageddon, but no, I went Blart, I think... <laughs> <laughs> full Blart. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, I'm not kind of saying like it's I'm sure, again, the a movie is in the works for years and years and years and it has to be written and, and produced and, you know, all that all that stuff has to happen. So it's not like they're borrowing. They didn't see an episode of Black Mirror and be like, let's make a different version of that. But it's obviously very much in the same vein. I um, I, I thought it was a little uh, just one note. Okay. Um, I, I guess my whole point is I, I just wasn't as crazy about it as I wanted to be. And I think I wanna, the reason I, I'm framing it that way is because I want to bring up a bigger conversation, which I'll, I know we can't really get into now because this, uh, you got big party to plan and all that stuff. So I'll make it quick. I'm trying to talk really fast. I talk about idle hands too, is, um, Do we? I think a lot of horror movies, um, fail in my estimation, my opinion, because there's a great concept. Um, and I'm not even saying that a quiet place is this, but I think it speaks to a bigger phenomenon where there's a great concept where a person sits around like, wouldn't it be crazy if X, Y, Z, and oftentimes I feel like those types of ideas are crazy and are intriguing, um, but they make, in my head, they would make for much better 15-minute long horror shorts. And I think so many horror movies that are stretched out to a thin 90 or 85 minutes or even you know longer than that, but they're, they're oftentimes like they don't really know where to go or what to do. And I think so many of those types of horror movies are forgettable or whatever. And I think the best horror movies, obviously, are more about character development. They're, they're less about the jump scares. They're less about creature design. They're more about human elements. Um, and obviously, have, still having a lot of those horror aspects to it. But it just it made me think, like, man, there are so many horror movies I've seen, especially sort of the straight to Netflix or the whatever, that like you just know it's like a really fascinating concept that the guy or the gal, whoever wrote, directed, whatever, uh, they just don't know where to go with it. Sure. And I feel like A Quiet Place... It definitely is, is it looks good. I, I have so many logical issues with it though. And I know that's like, I mean, that's not the 
this isn't the place or that's not the point of the movie. It's kind of speaking to a bigger thing, but I'm just thinking like, why isn't it like, why aren't the monsters responding to this? Or why don't they live by the waterfall? Or why don't they, all these things that come to head to come yeah. to my head that are, I guess are valid. But I think the bigger issue is sort of like that. I feel like it needs to be, it needed to be workshopped or kind of about, about something bigger and, or it needed to be a short, you know? Cause again, I think the, when it first started and it's this post-apocalyptic uh, landscape that totally is, I, I totally jibe with that. Um, I like those types of things, but then it just didn't go anywhere. And I think about, you know, a movie that I'm still watching every year and probably twice a year, 1978 Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> <laughs> how that's a movie about post-apocalyptic zombies. I mean, Night of the Living Dead is very much a one note thing that I think works in a very different way. And it's very effective. Um, and Dawn of the Dead could have been, well, what do we do with it now? But it speaks about, you know, consumerism and it, there's just so much more there. And I just wish A Quiet Place was kind of talking about something else instead of just being like, look at this crazy creature design, which I'm just done with. I'm done with like clicking monsters and like arachnids basically from Starship Troopers being the enemy. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I don't remember loving the monster design. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I liked it way more than you. Uh, <laughs> I... I'm not going to be the guy who's like, well, you had to see it in a theater. But I do think, for me, seeing it theatrically helped, and that's part of the reason why I'm less inclined to go back and revisit it, because it really was – it's kind of a one-and-done, where the, the theatrical experience was really cool because the suspense was kind of amped up. The audience really was, like, totally quiet. Um, and that was fun. You know, it was a fun kind of audience movie. And – to sit by myself and watch it in my basement, I'm, I'm much less uh, inclined to do that. I think that's such a huge point. Um, I know I had seen A Star is Born this month. I know we're not talking about non-horror movies, but I feel like that theatrical experience was so effective. And I'm, I think it would still work at home, I think. Uh, but again, the, 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 sound, the, the concert scenes and the music and the sound and the bass, it just totally, you get wrapped up in just it. Just it so being easily. so big too, you know? Absolutely, right. So I could totally see how A Quiet Place at in the theater would be much more effective than watching it while it's on kind of a low volume because my kids are sleeping and I might have had the subtitles on too, you know, like definitely a different. Luckily there weren't many. (laughs) No, clicking, (laughs) rustling, (laughs) breathing heavy. Was it weird that every time somebody made a noise, John Krasinski would turn to the camera and just like shrug? I did think that was strange. Yeah. Yeah. That's his wife, right? Emily Blunt's his wife, correct? Correct. Yeah. She's, um, I like her a lot. She's great. She's very good. And I thought the kids were actually really um, talented too. Yeah. Great. I mean, good performances, good all around. Just, to me, it just felt like this seems like this should have been a short. That's just sort of my well, dumb. And they're writing a sequel and it's like, boy, I don't need that. Like, I understand it ends where it ends, but I don't need to know what happens next. Like, I was told a story. I'm good. Uh, this isn't a world that I'm interested in, like, building out, you know? Uh, but of course, it made money, so. Reminds me of something else you said, too, about, I think you had posed a question either on the site or just to friends where it was like, is there any movie you can think of? It might have been one of those weekend, weekend weigh-ins where you had written, said, is there any movie that you think works better at home? And obviously, the general consensus, and I think in 99% of every movie, uh, it works better in the theater when you're kind of forced to not look at your phone and there's no yeah. other light or distracting element in the room next to you or wife on her iPad <laughs> sharing Facebook updates with you. Um, <laughs> And I think your 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 uh, example was Night of the Living Dead, the 1969? Uh, 68. 68, thank you, uh, Romero movie. Um, and I think that is an effective, like it could be the, the grainy kind of VHS quality of the movie works really well on a small screen. But I think you're, I mean, again, to the bigger point, 
um, I think Quiet Place would have been much more effective on the big screen. Uh, anything else, or is that it? That's it. Okay. Um, I have a few movies that I can talk about. Um, last night, I watched a movie called You Might Be the Killer, which mm. had Wait, played me? at you. Yeah, it's specifically <laughs> about Doug. Um, it played at some festivals and then all of a sudden like premiered on sci-fi and I missed it on sci-fi, but luckily I found the sci-fi app on my Roku and, yes. uh, was able to watch. You might be the killer, which stars Fran Kranz of uh, dollhouse and cabin in the woods fame and Allison Hannigan sort of in a supporting role. And it's, you know, it's yet another sort of eighties ish throwback group of camp counselors, um, being killed off by a masked murderer. There's a twist to it. I won't say what the twist is. It was fine. You know, like once, once the, 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 the end game or the twist was kind of revealed, I just, it just was completely repetitive and it's doing this thing where like, it's keeping score of how many counselors have died. And I just, aren't we so far past that? Like mm. being self-aware about a Friday, the 13th imitation, like what, what, what are you trying to say at this point? Um, but it was fine, you know. <laughs> it was, <laughs> but I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's certainly in my top ten. And uh, turns out I am the killer. <laughs> I also rewatched Curse of Chucky, um, which I saw for the first time here with you when we did our twenty-four hour marathon. Yes, of course. Curse of Chucky. <laughs> Naturally, you remember. It had just come out, I think, on Blu-ray. Yeah. No, I do remember that, actually. Um, and at the time, I was like, huh, okay. It was okay. You know, I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't in love with it because it took things in such a different direction. It was, It's like mostly this sort of gothic haunted house movie. And I was like, well, how is that a, a Chucky movie? Um, and now that I know the ways in which it's different, um, I like it a lot more. It's... I, I happened to catch about 15 minutes of it while, while I was in the hospital uh, because it was on AMC Fear Fest. And that was the best 15 minutes of my hospital stay. And so when I got out, I was like, well, I want to watch the whole thing. So I watched it last night. And uh, it's, I, I really dig it. It's really fun. And, and Don Mancini, you know, he does a lot of like show offy stuff as a director. Uh, clearly a big Brian De Palma fan. And it's, it's really fun. I really like it. In a way, I, I don't remember much about the movie except for like some old elevator. Right? That yeah, seems yeah. to play That's a big part, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do like the idea that it's doing something with a, a, a franchise that's pretty well worn out and trying to infuse some new energy by doing a different type of story. You know, yeah, that's kind of yeah. that's always welcome. But of course, I'm sure your expectations are sort of like this isn't what I was, you know, right. this isn't what I get from a Chucky movie. But right. yeah, if you go back and watch that, which I have not done, but I, maybe I'll do it right now. So if you, um, I'm going to leave here, I'm going to walk away. That's cool. I have a whole idle hands monologue I was preparing. <laughs> um, the only other movie I'll talk about is I rewatched Hellions, which is a movie that I saw a couple of years ago as part of the Bruce Campbell Horror Film Fest, now Cinepocalypse. Uh, and it's the Bruce McDonald's follow up to Pontypool. And it, it screened late. It was like 10 or 10.30 and it starts and the first 15 minutes are so great and immediately it feels like fall and Halloween and October like in such a good way. Um, and I was so on board and then it takes this weird turn and the rest of the movie I was like, I am not into this. <laughs> um, but uh, for years, our friend Chaby has been talking it up and saying, no, I actually really like that movie. And so I promised him I would revisit it at some point. 
Um, and I did, and I liked it way more. I mean, there's still some things that I don't quite understand, but um, for whatever reason, I, I thought it was a way better movie this time. So I'm sensing a theme in stuff that, like, I didn't like this, so I yeah. watched it again, yeah. and I kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I just need to rewatch. You might be the killer. That's and, right. Uh, it's definitely going to click this time. <laughs> I might be the killer. <laughs> uh, let's talk Idle Hands. Speaking yes, of sir. a movie, I probably shouldn't revisit if i want to keep liking it <laughs> just kidding it's fine idle hands um you know we all have movies that like we associate with certain people um i'm sure that there are movies that you associate with me i would think no um but like when memphis bell comes on or varsity blues or starship troopers or it's a wonderful life or you know there's a bunch of movies that i immediately associate with you uh Idle Hands is certainly one of them. From the from the moment it came out, you sort of claimed it as your own. Yeah. And I think at the time, this was 99, a big part of it was um, this was the movie where you sort of discovered and fell in love with one Jessica Alba. That's right. I also killed my parents so that I felt like the movie <laughs> well, spoke right. to me it's, in a certain Finally, way. I'm seeing myself represented on screen. Um, <laughs> oh, he saw was, he this... killed his parents too, and he doesn't feel bad. <laughs> We saw this movie very late uh, in 1999. We went to see, I want to say, like, Jesus Christ Superstar on stage and then drove to see Idle Hands because we were young and we're like, what? Midnight? Who cares? Um, and I remember liking Idle Hands more than <laughs> the production of Jesus Christ Superstar that we saw. I like that. I don't show, even remember but... this production of Jesus. Where was this? In some suburban theater thing? I or was can't it a... remember exactly. I just remember our friend Nora Kay having a terrible headache because they had screamed so much during the show, like the singing. And she had a horrible headache and still came with us to see Idle Hands. Yeah, she's a trooper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Idle Hands, uh, <laughs> directed by one Rodman Flender, protege of Roger Corman. Uh, at the time that I saw Idle Hands, I knew nothing about Rodman Flender. And in the years since, I've learned a lot more about him. He's made a few other movies. Um, he's a very nice, very knowledgeable guy. Um, but the movie is essentially like, what if we took that one scene from Evil Dead 2 and that one thing from American Werewolf in London and uh, and then some weed? And then that's yes. our movie. Here's here's an interesting thing about and I, I was thinking about this last night as my my wife was kind of half watching it with me, and uh, there there's a, a a whole bunch of movies from the late '90s that you and I again it speaks to we're in college we're working part time jobs we have all this free time and 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 we go see tons of movies in the theater at strange hours at midnight whatever and I never really we're obviously not. I mean, I, it's fine if you like to smoke pot. That's I don't care. But it's like we're not that. We're not stoners. We're not interested in that stuff. And yet, there are a handful of movies like Idle Hands, like – sorry about that. That's okay. It's got an Amber Alert on my phone. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> like Amber's Idle coming Hands. over? <laughs> that's, that's her alert. <laughs> uh, like uh, Dude Wears My Car. Like R.I.P. Danny Liner. Uh, yes, yes. Um, like Dead Man on Campus, that I don't think I even was plugged into how big a role marijuana played in these movies. Like, and it's in watching it now, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so obnoxious and on the nose, and 
just in your face about whatever. And I don't, I still don't care, but I'm just like, why was I somehow like identifying with these characters? And yet like all they are, are slackers or losers or stoners. I mean, whatever. I'm not saying that that person who smokes is a loser. I'm just saying like, that is not who we were or who we are. And I find it interesting, even during our, our um, dude, where's my car commentary that both of us were under the impression that we liked this movie because they they talked around smoking weed. And in fact, it's all about just like in your face, like, let's make this into a bong. Let's blow smoke in this dog's face. And I'm just like, I don't remember it that way. I literally don't. And even watching Dead Man on Campus, the um, Mark Paul Gosseler character, whose name escapes me, um, he's a giant pothead. He smokes weed while he cleans toilets. Oh my gosh, I'm so upset that I can't think of his name. The toilet cleaning clown. (laughs) And, uh, but it's just, I just, I found it so interesting. My wife's like, do you like this movie? And I'm like, I kind of do, but I kind of see your point. Like how often do you go back and watch something from when you were 17 or 18 or 19? And like, you know, I'm, you know, we're in our forties now and it's like, this doesn't really speak to me anymore. I still like a lot of the, um, ideas behind the movie, but those characters, why did I ever sort of identify with them? It just so it seems so strange to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the movie came out in 99, which I feel like if we were talking about it, we would say, well, that, that might as well be 2000. You know, that it's basically a movie of the 2000s. And then you watch it and you realize, oh, no, it's one of the most 90s movies ever made. Yeah, I thought it was like 94 for a second, especially the, the <laughs> opening title card sequence where you just hired like the MTV intern that made a, you know, 120 minutes interstitial segment and have him do the title sequence. And it's all just like melting wax and like right. shaky text and yeah. disparate elements that don't quite make sense over some generic grunge slash metal music. And it's like, yes, that's how Idle Hand starts. But if you ask me, uh, uh, two days ago, before I watched it again, I would have been like, I just assume it has a normal title sequence. <laughs> um, every music choice is like super 90s. Um, and you the, love Offspring. I do. The aesthetic of everything, just the two wacky best friends, you know, Penub, uh, the fact that Seth Green is in it, like everything about it says, <laughs> oh, this is the 1990s. Um this, of course, would be Devin Sawa's triumphant return to horror, uh, sandwiched right between Final Destination and, of course, his turn as the human form of Casper the Ghost in Casper. Uh, this completes the triumvirate. You know, in 99, when this came out, there weren't many horror movies like this. Um, and, and so it is unique in that way, and it will always hold kind of a special place in my heart because, you know, we're post-Scream, but we're basically just getting riffs on scream you know we're getting like not valentine yet but we're getting i know what you did last summer and urban legend and those kinds of movies um and so for this to come out and be you know pretty over the top gory um to have kind of a wacky sense of humor and just to be like willfully dumb um it's kind of fun you know there's there's kind of a an eighties energy running through this super nineties fucking movie. Um, but it's also just like, it moves in such fits and starts. I, I literally just rewatched it uh, before this. And there are so many sections where I'm just bored. Like, yeah, 
<laughs> it's just... And I even feel like, you know, I think the movie starts pretty strong. And I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back even and say I, what I, something I really like or and I, I still like about this movie and my memory about this movie. And um, obviously during Scary Movie Month, it's every kind of scary movie is up for grabs. Something I especially like in the, the latter half of October and closer to Halloween are scary movies that are, are framed around Halloween, right? Yeah. Um, with, with pumpkins and the tricking and the treating, as I pointed <laughs> out earlier. Um, but no, for real, like the, the, the fall feel, the crunchy leaves, the, the sort of you know, overcast skies and stuff. It just, I love the, the Halloween-specific horror movie. And so right when the movie starts, it's very much... It's, it takes place at Halloween. The, the parents are, and it's um, Fred, Lill, what's his name? Fred, yeah, right? Willard. What's it? Willard, thank yeah. you. And uh, the wife, whose name also escaped. I, sh- I guess I could just look. It's open on my screen right now, but I'm, I'm so lazy. Susan um, Willard. Connie Ray. <laughs> Mom Tobias. And uh, <clears throat> by the way, a quick side note, I forgot that the lead character's name is Anton. Um, just yeah. so everyone knows uh, something. About I don't me. think you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I think shush, shush you. Not to share too Let much your about my dirty secret. Be told now. I have uh, I have three children: two girls and a boy. And my boy is 11 months old this past week, and his name is Anton. And so when they say Anton, my wife and I are like, what? And she's like, did you know his name was Anton? And I'm like, I'm sure I did at some point. But why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> now tell everyone your daughter's names are Connie and Ray. That's right. It's Anton Devin Sawa Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Sawa. Sawa. <laughs> anyway, so it opens up. I actually think that little campy scene with the parents in the bed and the, the, the writing on the ceiling. It's a great little opening it, it kind of sets the, the tone of the movie. It's, it's you know, the Halloween aesthetic, all that stuff. It's it's just a nice little thing. And then it quickly cuts to Devin Sawa and his stoner friends. And the dialogue is not very good in the entire movie. And I'll mm-hmm. talk about more about that later because um, I have a very specific thing I want to say that's not very interesting or very deep. But it is deep to me. So you'll have to bear with me as you are listening to this podcast. Uh, and they're just making the dumbest like jokes and it's just all about weed and i'm just like how i don't un- there's nothing even funny here i mean it's not even there's not even jokes it's just sort of you know and i get that that's how friends talk i guess i don't know so i feel like it starts off strong it dips and then when they finally sort of get past the 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 construct of like what's actually happening meaning like in the first 20 minutes it's like someone's murdering people who's doing it and then you find out obviously it's devin sawa's hand that's possessed um, once they finally just accept that and sort of whatever, it gets a little better. Like the dialogue just becomes a little more natural and they're able to like not expl- over explain things. Although this movie has no problem with not explaining anything, by the way, um, especially when it comes to why are his friends back from the dead? That's never explained. <laughs> they are just, they are murdered and they come back and they're dead yeah. and so be it. Um, so yeah, that's uh I, I just um, I like the way it starts, but there's definitely, as you pointed out, some kind of boring parts to it too. Well, it's Even just it's a, it's a very short movie. <laughs> it is pretty short. Um, it, well, you know, like Devin Sawa, I think does what he can. I I wouldn't call myself like a a giant Devin Sawa head. 
Um, but I think, you know, he does okay with some of the physical stuff in this movie, but he's not Bruce Campbell, you know, and Sam Raimi is not directing this movie. So you can do 15 minutes in the middle of Evil Dead where Bruce Campbell's hand is possessed and he's smashing plates over his head and he's like laughing and it's just manic and insane. And Bruce Campbell is going to sell the shit out of it. Um, most of the sections in this movie where like Devin Sawa is trying to deal with his possessed hand are just that you're just killing time, you know, until like the next sort of interesting thing happens, um, which isn't all that often. Again, it's fine. You know, every once in a while, something will come along. And you'll be like, oh, OK. But I did find myself wishing I could fast forward some sections where I'm like, I know nothing's happening here. I know this is going to go on for a long time. <laughs> Uh, and then Vivica Fox would show up and it's, it's not her fault, but like, what is she doing in this movie? Why is this character in the movie? Why is any of that anything? Um, right, right. And so I would want to like fast forward through that. I didn't fast forward through anything. I sat and watched this whole goddamn movie. Um, if you were Adam Risky, you would have walked out. <laughs> do you think, <laughs> don't you kind of think they started with the title and worked backwards? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you think that Patrick? <laughs> right. Especially in the drive-thru and he's like, you know what they say, idle hand to the devil's playground. And I do like that later on he butchers the, the phrase, but that's but not even the phrase, right? Just everything, I thought it was, yeah, devil's plaything. Um, everything about just even the concept and the writing and the – it doesn't. there are no rules. And I again, I don't need there to be rules, especially in a stupid movie like this. But like you said, like why do the friends come back from the dead? What – um, why is the hand a serial killer and why is, how did it possess Devin Sawa's hand? He didn't have his hand replaced. Right. Right. So, right. you know, um, so I don't think they actually like thought through any kind of a story. It just kind of presents a situation. Oh, this guy's hand is possessed and it's, it kills people. Right. Um, and then they kind of run from there. And by the way, that's fine. Like, again, I don't need to really understand what's happening in this movie. But at no point did they sort of sit down and try to tell a story. They just have a premise. Exactly. And that's sort of the whole thing, right? Where it's like, I enjoy the spirit of the movie. I enjoy the, the horror comedy aspect of it. I enjoy the fact that it's, it's an, a, not a hard R, but a pretty strong R with swearing and boobs and violence and gore. And, uh, and yet there's so many things that like aren't explained and I'm not looking for them to be explained, but just like, how about you just workshop it again for another, you know, another month or so and have another <laughs> rewrite there's two writers credited Terry Hughes and Ron Milbauer. And I looked at their, That's um, a Milbauer joint. Yeah. Right. And, uh, they, they've written T this is the only movie I think that they've written mostly TV episodes and things like that. So it kind of does feel episodic. Did they write it, it feels together like a writing team. I, I don't know. Like Hughes and, um, Hughes and I think Milbauer? they did because both their bios pretty much have the same exact okay, yeah. um, credits. So whatever. But I want to say something. Get me Hughes also. and Milbauer. The, the writing. So, okay. I went back on our website because I've written about this movie two times, I think, before. Specifically, as you pointed out earlier in this show, about my sort of infatuation with Jessica Alba in 1999. Now, Jessica Alba in 1999 was 17 years old, maybe 18. And she had never been in anything. Or if she, she had, was it was 18. very... What? I hope she was 18. This movie <laughs> sexualizes her to an uncomfortable degree. Definitely, definitely that. And yes, uh, then in that way, in that case, she's 18. <laughs> and uh, I think she might have done some TV or something before this, but this was like her movie breakout role. This is role, pre-Dark you know? Angel is what you're saying. That's... <laughs> pre, pre-Under the Blue? No. What's the movie with Paul Walker where she just she swims into around the, into the blue into the blue? Yeah, uh, it's a 
attractive movie. That movie's nuts. It's just like it starts out and it's just about attractive people swimming. And by the end, they're like shooting harpoons into people. That's right. It's almost like one of those 80s action movies. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> kind of love Into the Blue. <laughs> um, so I, I reread a couple things I wrote. And just to, to, to preface it is to say, like, I... I kind of fell hard for this girl I'd never seen before. She's very, very cute. She has a very cute face and a very cute body. And that makes me sound pervy because now I'm 40 and she's talking about us. Definitely an 18 year old. I was talking about an 18 year old, but at the time I was 19. So it was all good. And um, then in my, in my very clever, very funny write-ups, whatever I was talking about, I would say she's very cute and I had a crush on her, but her acting is terrible. And it's, that's, I want to, in 2018, I want to set the record straight. That's not totally fair of me because her acting is definitely not great, right? I mean, is anyone's acting in this movie really phenomenal? I don't think anyone was giving it their all. I think um, it, there's a lot of bad acting all around. Um, does she come across as unnatural and a little stiff? Sure. Um, but is she the worst thing in the movie? Absolutely not. And then, of course, another little caveat to that is sort of I, I, one of my columns I wrote, like, I was in love with Jessica Alba until Amanda Scholl came on the scene. And then <laughs> it was like the following year, right? There was definitely like a year to year to year sort of <laughs> progression of like, who is Doug crushing on now? And uh, it's still Amanda Scholl because <laughs> <laughs> because that One Tree Hill, Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh, homage. Oh, right. um, anyway, uh, so my point simply is to say this. Um, Jessica Alba is not the worst. She's not the best, but she's not the worst. And I will say that character is the worst written character. Maybe not. I mean, there's a lot of terribly written characters in horror movies, especially because obviously the point of a horror movie is to scare or to be gory or to be exploitative or whatever. There, there, every decision that character makes, everything that character says is wrong, is the worst, is unnatural, is not true, is disingenuous, is terrible. And I almost feel bad for this 18-year-old girl who's hired because she's cute. Like, you need to carry the scene. You need to... There's a crazy boy who's your neighbor that's missing a hand, who's covered in blood, who's like flop sweat. He's all acting manic, and you need to invite him into your house. Go. And the the lines of dialogue on the page are so um, stupid... <laughs> That there's no way to make it work. And I guess it just speaks to horror movies in general, but specifically horror, typically a, a male dominated uh, genre. And, you know, she is a means to an end, right? She is uh, the, the, the girl he's crushing on, the girl he, who needs to, you know, he needs to save at the end. Um, she needs to look cute the entire time, even that that insane dance she does at the dance, which is so funny to me, not for the reasons why she's just doing the crazy dance and her friend's like what's wrong and she's like just thinking and it's like this so choreographed weird serpentine motion she's making with her hands anyway that she's obviously um a plot contrivance the entire character is just a contrivance a how do we how do we have them have sex how do we have them go to the dance together none of it it's it's almost like you know, I say this as a loser myself, as a guy who's like, you know, in high school was like in his room a lot at night, like just wishing girls would talk to me. It's like a bunch of writers sitting down being like, okay, so he's going to go over there. He's going to do nothing charming and nothing endearing. And she's going to invite him in 
and be impressed when the murder hand slaps her ass and then they'll have sex and then they'll she'll it'll be inferred that they'll go to the dance together because now they're a couple and then when he's late to the dance she'll be worried about him it's just the whole <laughs> thing is so fucking stupid yeah so and i just want to say like that's sort of my male privilege in 2018 being like wait a minute i was unfair like I'm thinking she's a terrible actress. Why is every line of dialogue so stiff and so terrible? And again, she's not the best actress, but like how on earth do you make that work when you're like you're the source material is written by people who don't understand how women work. <laughs> it is an embarrassing part to play. I mean, that scene where he slaps her ass and she's into it is like right. You want to change the channel. Um, she was definitely giving me, as I watched it this time, I was like, well, God bless her because she still has a career going. Um, she's still making movies. She's like a millionaire several times over because she like invented some sort of uh, soap. Yeah, or right. Or something. Yeah. Like baby products or I don't know. Um, so she's doing fine. Um, but, you know, she has sustained a career. And as I was watching it, I was like, well, I don't feel like like her 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 performance got her the next few jobs. Like I think a big part of it was, well, she's very pretty. Um, but as I was watching it, I was getting a big, like Shannon Elizabeth vibe, particularly <laughs> from like uh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. And that character is sort of written the exact same way. The character that Shannon Elizabeth plays in this movie, where she just like likes anything this idiot does for no reason. Right. Then because like, well, as the writer, uh, you know, I'm an idiot and I want girls to like me so I can just make that happen in my movie. Um, right. And so this speaks again last night in watching this with my wife. I had this. It, it's it's embarrassing to say this. Like I'm a, a I, I would like to think I'm an advanced male, a progressive human being that's open minded. And I'm just like, man, she's really like given short shrift. She has no, nothing to do. And the lines of dialogue like. And I'm saying this to my wife and I'm like, it's really not her fault. And she's just like, what, wh like, where you been basically, Doug, you know, like <laughs> this is how every woman, I mean, not every woman in every movie, but like, this is very, very common. And it speaks to a very like sort of just the subtext of like, ah, just it's, it's super accepted, super. I'm, I'm glad now that it's not being so accepted that like, we're having to be more creative and realistic and actually having women writers and women directors and provide infuse that sort of reality into things like but it just for me, like the, the the ridiculousness of sort of my upbringing and sort of my protected class and sort of like realizing and just always trying to I mean, we're, I, I hope that we're all every listener and everyone on our like we're all trying to be better and sort of idle hands is, is, uh, is I'm woke is what I'm saying. <laughs> Finally, we're taking idle hands down a peg or two. Well, I used to also blame Rodman Flender, right? Like, I think, oh, Rodman Flender is the reason why it's it doesn't work. I think actually think now, like, Rodman Flender is probably the only reason why any of it does work. Yeah, I was just about to say that exact same thing. I just, I wonder, again, knowing a little bit more about him and his personality now, it's like, hey, you get to direct a theatrical feature, which he hadn't done much of. Again, he worked for Roger Corman. He had made like the unborn, which is just an insane movie. He had done a leprechaun sequel. I think leprechaun two, yeah. um, which did, I think play theatrically, but you know, he wasn't getting big jobs. And so it's like, Hey, here's this movie from Columbia and it's going to play on, you know, a couple thousand screens. Um, but it's idle hands. <laughs> and it's like, right. well, all right. And yeah, I think he does what he can. And I think you're right. Like the stuff that works works because of him. Yeah. 
And I think for me, again, just my own personal experience, like the name Rodman Flender is a funny name, right? (laughs) And so when I would think about this movie and sort of, you know, I don't know if anyone else is out there, like there's there's definitely like go-to joke names and joke movies in my head that even 20, 30 years later, I still infer and reference that Rodman Flender what might be something like that, or like Rodman Flender, because it's just like it's a I, it's a name I'm not familiar with. It's it's not a very common name, and so that didn't help in sort of the the you know early twenties, late teens, Doug, and sort of the just being holier than thou and casting aspersions on something that you know like well this is funny, but it's no no thanks to Rodman Flender. <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. Like no, he's the reason why again I didn't know the whole Roger Corman thing, and um, but any of the the sort of uh, uh, you know, evil dead techniques or whatever. It's totally him. And everything else is like, oh, it's the shitty writers or it's sort of like the, the that we have, it's a bigger budget. I mean, I'm sure it's still a tiny budget, but like a bigger budget movie than he was used to working with. So we can get the offspring. We can get some more practical, crazy effects. And we can also have this appeal to a drug culture. I don't know. The whole thing is just such a messy whatever that I still kind of like, but also still like would not want to watch with anyone else in the room because I'd be so, I'd have douche chills, <laughs> like embarrassment chills the entire time watching it. To be fair, uh, to this day, you and I can still make each other laugh by randomly saying, look at me, I'm <laughs> right. Um Rodman Flender was a good go-to joke director name uh, because this came out the same year as Mystery Men, directed by Kinka Usher, and That's those right. two were side by side in my head. Like, ooh, is it Kinka oh, yeah. Usher or Rodman Flender? <laughs> um, and I don't think Kinka, Kinka Usher ever made another movie. Oh, yeah, he tapped out after. Uh, and Mystery Men is good. It's it was it came a few two years uh, a few years too early. A few two yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Damn it! Um, wait. Oh, I, was I just, just remember. Oh, go ahead. That the reason they don't come back. Or the reason his friends come back is because they don't go to heaven. But by like, the end of the movie, that, they do. Right. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, if that's sort of the explanation of, like, right. why are you here? Why are your severed head and your bottle in your head? Why are you zombies on Earth? Because we're like, screw that Enya shit. And we're going <laughs> to. Oh, God. Like, oh, that's. <laughs> I forgot to. We're jumping around all over the place. But, like, I forgot how stupid the ending is. Uh, even before they walk off into heaven is like, should we tell him we wrote it? <laughs> so right. dumb. Um, <laughs> the car falling on Devin Sawa. I'm just like, what? that is so dumb. And then we're told that he had a, ch- he was dead. He had a chance to be dead, but he decided like, to he skipped heaven Molly. to kick it with me. Like what? <laughs> Snoogans. Like, what <laughs> is this? Movie. Is there a trouser snake under in, that podcast? <laughs> in 1999. The, I, I just feel like um, putting this movie into theaters, this is a movie for no one. I mean, which isn't true because it was a movie for us, right? Even though, like, we're not into the drug stuff. We're not into the uh, sort of naked misogyny. We're just like, hey, it's fun. It's stupid. It's gory. This is such a dumb movie. We like it. Um, it's a movie that exists to be discovered by people, like, on cable or on sure. VHS, like yeah. it exists to be a cult movie. No one was rushing out to see Idle Hands and falling in love with it. It's like, oh, I accidentally saw this movie and now I really like it because it has these stoner guys and um, the offspring. <laughs> you love the offspring. And the girl from Dancing with the Stars, right? Who, who, who Who's that? Um, didn't she win the first season of Dancing with the, the Kiss Girl? 
Kelly Monaco? Yes. I have no idea. I think she won. That's the only reason I knew who she was because I think she won the first season of Dancing with the Stars. And it was like, what else? (laughs) No, I'm serious. When she, when she won that season, I was like, well, what else has she done? Who is she? This, this show is claiming she's a star. And it was like, (laughs) well, she's on a soap opera. Oh, I don't know. She was on a soap opera. And then it was like, oh, and she was the kiss girl in Idle Hands. And I was like, well, then I've seen her. Um, by the way, (laughs) she's like the third most prominent female character in this movie. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, it, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jessica Alba, her friend who gets chopped up in a fan and <laughs> naked Kelly Monaco. So the movie also has this issue with like, it doesn't know which I feel like the, the different scenes are obviously very different tones. Like some scenes are like teen movie, uh, silly, you know, crazy beats. Some movies, some scenes are, are very smart humor. Some scenes at the very end, for example, is that sort of, um, Roger Corman meets Sam Raimi with the puppet. The hand is in the puppet and the puppet itself is changing based on the environment. Like the puppet will have mean eyes or the puppet will have stoned eyes. And it's in, you know, in a way I love that spirit because it, none of it makes sense. Again, right. we're just, you know, earlier in this podcast critiquing, like it doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying that it needs to make sense. I'm just saying like, it just needs to like find a tone and stick with it. Um, because again, it's that, when you don't find the tone stick with it, you're having to bridge all the different things with those boring scenes that you have to fast forward through. You know, it's just, and again, with the, you know, the no female characters, you know, just, they're all objects and they're all, even the, the friend is not there to be a friend to Jessica Alba. She's there to be murdered by a fan right. and to um, be Penub's like potential hookup, Pen- you know, like, potential, right. Penub. <laughs> Um, I feel like when they, when, uh, who are the writers? <laughs> Shoot, I forgot their names. Uh, when they, Milbauer. Yeah. 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 When Milbauer showed up and he was like, listen, this character is going to be named Penub. Um, someone should have said, oh, go, you need to turn in another draft. Like this is not done. Well, do you know the, the, the genesis of that? Of course not. Unless it's, it's like, is it Eddie Murphy doing buckwheat? It's uh Mick and Penub. Wook and Penub. Like that is the genesis wow, of it. Wow, for they real. Took wow. Freaking Eddie Murphy buckwheat, which is I mean, I was like Wook and Penub. And they said, Well, I guess it can't be we can use Penub. That's a realistic first name. <laughs> we can't call the other guy Wookin, so we'll call him Mick. Mick and Penub. Wow. Wow. It's even dumber than I thought. And yet well, again, I kind of knew what it was. Right. But it speaks to that sort of thing where it's like it's some things are so surface level, they're they're so stupid. <laughs> And some things are so stupid because it's like, I don't know, like it's not smart stupid, but it's definitely like there's a, some there's a spirit to it that is inspired and funny. And even like the whole dynamic between Vivica A. Fox and the neighbor whose name also is, I mean, they're all Jack so Noseworthy. Dumb. Yeah, Jack, definitely Jack Noseworthy. <laughs> um, their dynamic, he's the neighbor that's like. Tra- I mean, I'm a guess. I'm guessing this is my description. He's trapped in the '80s with his qu- quiet riot T-shirt and his big raised pickup truck, and he's like kind of friends with the neighbor boy. Seems like he's been out of high school for quite a few years. Vivica A. Fox rolls into town to because she's an occult murderer. She wants to kill the curse. There's no backstory there, and that's fine. I don't need a backstory. I don't care. But somehow they hook up, and he's like obsessed with her and just wants. To, and he starts calling her like kitty cat and like. It's just it's 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 almost as if and I'm not even suggesting this is what actually happened, but it's almost as if the actors on set were like, what if I did this? And Rodman Flender, again, not to 
I, I don't think this is him or his fault, but him just saying like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, go, go do that. Do that. It doesn't matter. Jesus, Ben. I said I'm right. busy. Exactly. He's counting his money in the corner <laughs> because that's the, that's the vibe I get where it's just like you've got – even though it's only written by two people who theoretically had an ampersand, not an and between their names, that you've got what feels like 50 people bringing whatever they're bringing to it with the dialogue and sort of the character beats and whatever – I, I again the ending I think works in in the spirit of like it's time for the ritualistic sex because it's the beat that has to happen and like but it's it's and I like when they murder the hand and it just kind of poofs and doesn't and yeah, of course funny. Seth Green that's has funny. to like Seth Green it up I like Seth Green fine but I just <laughs> I don't get why he's such a he was such a thing in the late nineties like I like Robot Chicken Robot Chicken's great right I mean but Seth Green is just uh, what happened to Eldon Henson? Like he was this and then was, nothing uh, else. No, he did some other stuff and he's on, I think <clears throat> all three seasons of daredevil on Netflix. The third season just showed up. I don't know. I couldn't get past like four episodes into season two. So <gasps> he's in deja vu, a movie you showed me that I like That's a lot. Right. I forgot about that. He's one of the scientists because that, that movie sense. has scientists. He's all mighty Joe Bong. What? <laughs> oh God. Like again, you know, but you know that Seth Green saying like, Hey, when I hold this up, what if I say this? And basically, uh, you know, the, I'm not Rodman, but I mean, what's the, the, the director of Goodwill hunting. I can, I ruined the joke. Us Van Sant saying like, yeah, I'm busy, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, one of two things happened either. Hughes was it Hughes and Milbauer? <laughs> yes. Either Hughes and Milbauer just like had fifty terrible <laughs> ideas that they put in one screenplay where they're like, wouldn't it be funny if this guy was like this metalhead and he drove this truck? Like he serves no purpose in this movie. Vivica Fox serves no purpose. They should have been the first two people to go. Um but it's like all the stuff with him that's the sort of affectation about him being this metalhead. Uh, it's not funny and there's no joke. It's just like, wouldn't it be funny if, or realizing that there was nothing there, Rodman Flender was like, ah, we got to do something, you know, in every instance where it's like, well, what if we did this with this? Because at least that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, except, you know, I think it's time for the ritualistic sex is like a decent punchline to that whole worthless subplot, but it is not worth the effort that it takes to get there just for that payoff. No, definitely not. And even the idea, again, it's the, the speaking of like, Oh, you have a neighbor. That's a, a metalhead, whatever. Like we have to go to a drive through fast food store. And this is such a minor thing. That's not even worth bringing up on a podcast, but like how it speaks to an, a late nineties thing that they did where like, the, the restaurant has to be like goofy theme. It's, it's, it's Jane Silent Bob Strike Back too. It's just like, right. it has to be a goofy, we have to order these convoluted things. And I'm just like, why am I, why am I wasting my time? Like <laughs> I need to sit through the, the neighbor's order, which takes 30 seconds. Cause he has to say the goofy, like safari themed menu items. It's just, it, I don't understand. I, I just don't understand why that's part of the movie or that Devin Sow has to like break in the back and in order to talk to it. It's just like, what is going on with this movie? I like that they get to the dance pretty quickly. Cause that again is the, in the spirit of like the Halloween thing. There's a Halloween dance. Yeah. Like get to the dance. And at get, least forget- stuff is happening at the dance. Finally. Right. Right. Uh, it's funny how mad we're getting about idle hands. <laughs> and and, and I will, I'll say this, this is like not to jump to the conclusion, I guess, although I, I'm pretty sure we're close to being done talking about idle hands is that I still kind of like 
the movie, the spirit of the movie, at least. I mean, it's it's not a movie I, I think I'll go back and watch, but it, if it's a, if it's on you know TBS or whatever, I will probably leave it on for longer than a commercial break, just because there's enough in it where it's clever, it's creative, it's obviously nostalgic, um, it's trying to be something different, at least. Uh, kudos again to Mr. Flender, uh, and then quickly it just like goes in this direction where it's like, well, this seems like it's from something else, you know, it just doesn't quite jibe. It's uh, weirdly enough. I mean, it's a movie born out of like just ripping off other movies. And yet I can't think of many other movies, particularly from that time that are like it. So Mm. it has that going for it. You know, it is its own weird thing like, Oh yeah. Idle hands. <laughs> like, right. And it, it is an anomaly and kind of fun. And, and like you said, has enough energy and like is demented enough in certain ways that, yeah, it has a definite charm, especially compared to the stuff that was coming out at the same time. It's like a movie that's like, there's just enough good stuff in it that it makes me wish it was way better. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> like, I wish there was way less bad stuff, way less boring stuff, way more of the stuff that's good. And then I think we would just be like fully embracing and recommending this movie. But instead sure. it's like, yeah, we like it, but you know, it's right. not a movie I would not that watch gonna, it with you. Right. right. No, I'm not really going to tell people to see it. Uh, and every time I watch it, I'll forget how bad it, oh, I forgot this was in it. Sorry. <laughs> that was in the room with me. <laughs> I forgot, uh, I forgot his name's Penub. Sorry. I forgot there's two terrible police officers and that's a subplot that uh, he has older, yeah. like, older kids. And it just, it's again, what? <laughs> <laughs> and yet Jessica Alba. <laughs> in my memory, her friend was played by Amy Smart, but that was yeah. a faulty memory. And I don't think that friend, I, I, I was just on IMDb watching the movie because, again, to your point, uh, there's parts that are pretty boring. So I was like, I have no problem skipping this. My memory will will carry me through. Um, like, who is she? I don't think she's done much. Well, no, um, she got chopped up in a fan. Oh, is that what? That's oh. This is a documentary. There's also like the principal scene where all of a sudden he's like calling a sex line during the Halloween dance. And then he gets just it's like so yeah, stupid. Yeah, that was uh, what's his name? <laughs> Stack? Um yeah, from Son of the Beach of or Beach, right? And I think that that was just like Tim Stack. Um, he's Robert funny. <laughs> Let's just bring him in and do a just riff, Tim. You know, and What's like he'll Fred do Willard one thing, scene, right? and everyone will be so happy to see him. Fred Willard doesn't even really get anything funny to do. No, I guess it's just he's supposed to engender goodwill because he's Fred Willard. I, Tim Stack, I think they think he's doing funny stuff, but uh, again, I don't know who was going to see this movie. Uh, for the cool young cast or the uh, offspring appearance or the uh, the weed jokes were any of those audiences like, ooh, check it out, Tim Stack. <laughs> right. Son of the beaches, Tim Stack. Like a favor is called up for, for, for no reason, basically. <laughs> right, exactly. I, you must be happy, though, because I've now mentioned twice that you like The Offspring. Just to be clear, Patrick does not like The Offspring. No, no, I do not. You must have been happy that um, I actually like the way he dies. Yeah, <laughs> like, again, at least the movie has the good sense to, like, violently murder him. And it's just the the cartoonish. There's a couple kills in this movie. I think the kills are all pretty creative. Yeah. Um, with I mean, it's a little comical, too, with, like, the saw blade through Penub's head or, like, the bottle in, in Seth Green's face, but also the um, – the, uh, the, the the parents being killed and then stuck in the, the jack-o'-lantern bodies and stuff. Um, I, I like the way 
that some of the murders, like it's the mom gets sucked under the bed and there's like a big blood splatter right, right, right. <laughs> or like it's and the exact same thing happens in the car with Kelly Monaco. She's killed. I think they, the hand strangles her and you hear a cracking, which is just like, of course, that's how that works. <laughs> and then the boyfriend's face is smashed into the window and then pulled back and a blood splash on the, on the window. I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Right. But specifically the offspring guy, um, his head just being scalped is just really, <laughs> it looks great. It's a great sort of like punchline. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Cause he's yeah. like, everyone calm down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the only good thing the offspring have ever done. <laughs> Chances are, oh boy, I don't get it. I do not get why they were a thing. <laughs> that most sort of like late '90s pop punk, uh, like maybe, it's not quite but, punk. <laughs> but so much of it was like fine and inoffensive. But even in the late '90s, I was like, "Why is this on my radio? Why? <laughs> why is there someone in this band named Noodles? Why <laughs> was their first hit song like?" keep them separated like what why is that why is that in a song what anyway uno dos trace catorce <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway that's gonna do it for idle hands uh douglas thank you this is always fun of course thank you for having me i'm glad that uh you got to come on during scary movie month i hope you'll i hope you'll be on more uh you know i do too um, I do too. Yeah. It's just, it you know, with that, I left that magazine at work. No, it's hard I to know. get to the podcasting. <laughs> anyway, there's still a few days left in October, everyone. Please make sure you're still participating in the Scary Movie Challenge every time you watch a horror movie or the next couple of days. Go to fthismovie.com, leave your seven word review. We still have at least one more podcast in us this month. That should not come as a surprise to any of you. Uh, Mike Pomero will, of course, be making his triumphant return to the podcast for our Woo-hoo. annual episode. Um, so look forward to that uh, coming out on Halloween. But uh, thank you guys very much for listening. Thanks again, Doug. As usual, marijuana saves an otherwise disastrous day. Like, even that line is so overwritten.